Welcome to this episode of RF Industries Icons podcast. I'm Pat Hindle, and today I'm talking with Dr. Alexander Chanakin, Senior Director, R&D at Anritsu Company, and world-renowned expert on frequency sources and synthesizers. He has authored more than 50 technical articles, holds six U.S. patents, and published the Artec book, Frequency Synthesizers, Concept to Product. Welcome to the podcast, Alexander. Thank you for your kind words, Pat. I'm proud to participate. Excellent. So let's start at the beginning, Alexander. When did you come to the United States and what led you to come here? I believe in 1997, if I remember correctly, after the collapse of the Soviet Union. Uh, This was a big tragedy and difficult time for many people in the country. There were no jobs, no future, and I needed uh, to take care of my family and think how to uh, continue my professional career so came to the United States. Well, you had your priorities uh, set right. So what was your first job when you came to the U.S.? The first company I started working in the United States was Celeritech in Santa Clara, California. They were a leading supplier of millimeter wave components such as amplifiers, up and down converters, and whole transceivers. A very good company. It had an internal gallium arsenide foundry, as well as uh, aluminous substrates and thin film circuits fabrication. I learned many things there, from semiconductor device fabrication processes to building high-frequency components using both chip and wire and PCB techniques, and eventually started working on complex subsystem designs. This helped me a lot to grow professionally. I studied basically as an engineer working all weekends, mastering my skills. I ran, and quite successfully, several important projects there, and then was promoted to managerial position. But I always, always like exploring new ideas and trying something else on my own. So I worked at several companies moving forward, step by step, from an engineer to executive roles in a number of companies such as Phasematrix, Micro Lambda Wireless, and now Anritsu Company. And so when did you decide to specialize in frequency synthesis and what led you in that direction? Was it an interesting technology for you? Absolutely. Well, the frequency synthesizer is a key element of virtually any RF microwave system. And the industry feels persistent pressure to deliver higher performance, higher functionality, smaller sites, and lower cost design. In general, frequency synthesizers utilize various techniques and almost as diverse as the number of their applications. So I would say they are among the most challenging of high-frequency designs that always excites engineers to generate new ideas and try new approaches. And you led many research projects at Phase Matrix as a vice president there. We were working very closely with you. It seems like one of your most significant developments there was the Quicksend technology. Can you tell us about the development and what were your biggest challenges there? By that time, Phasematrix uh, had developed uh, various RF microwave components and instruments primarily for tests and measurements applications. 
and their product lines range from frequency counters to sophisticated up and down converters and frequency synthesizers. And after being involved in the industry for several years, I started recognizing a need for frequency synthesizers capable of fast switching speeds. Well, I simply observed a rapid increase in the data flow rates of the most current microwave systems and saw that synthesizers would need to accommodate this increase. Traditionally, however, there had been compromises with regard to frequency coverage, resolution, and spectral purity in order to increase switching speed. That was a big challenge. And one of the most successful developments uh, was indeed the QuickSync synthesizer that helped the company to penetrate many new markets. That product represented a new generation of microwave frequency synthesizers based on a novel technology that provided a unique combination of fast switching speed, very low phase noise, and low characteristic. Yeah, there are several approaches that generate clean output signals, but there typically seems to be a trade-off between the switching speed and the phase noise. What method was phase matrix using and how did that differ from the traditional YIG design devices? Historically, uh, high-performance PLL synthesizers have relied on yig tuned oscillators featuring broadband operation and excellent phase noise. However, the high power consumption, large size, and especially low tuning speed inherent to YIG oscillators have contributed to a shift to solid state VCO architecture. And VCO-based synthesizers are significantly faster, no doubt. However, their phase noise has traditionally been considered to be poor when compared to YIG-based designs. So there was, and perhaps still is, a belief, or maybe better to say a myth, that phase noise and switching speed did not coexist very well. But why not? Why cannot we have both spectral purity and fast switching speed simultaneously under the same roof? Does this break any fundamental laws of physics? Should a solution be necessarily super complex and expensive? Note that we don't necessarily need to rely on free-running oscillator characteristic. Our job is to design a synthesizer, not an oscillator. Or in other words, to lock an oscillator, either VCO or YIG, to a low-phase noise reference. As an example, just... Let's just assume that we use a fast switching VCO in conjunction with a 100 megahertz reference oscillator, such as an OCXO, that exhibit minus 180 dBc per hertz phase noise at 10 kilohertz offset. If we translate, well, I don't know, somehow translate this number to 10 gigahertz, it corresponds to minus 140 dBc per hertz at this frequency. That is essentially a state-of-the-art phase noise for any signal generator. The only problem is <laughs> how to realize such a translation in practice. As always, the devil is in details. Okay, long story short, 
we did achieve switching speed in the microsecond range along with very low phase noise, how low, basically comparable or even superior to the best industry designs by that time. And interestingly, we accomplished this by using low cost, tiny VCOs instead of relying on bulky and expensive parts such as geeks. So what about design complexity and functionality? Good question. Another challenge was to increase the synthesizer functionality by implementing various functions such as output power control, output power mute, frequency and power sweep, list mode, and so on. And oh, by the way, many applications also required various modulation options, such as amplitude, frequency, and pulse modulation. And from the first glance, implementing all these functions would drastically increase overall instrument complexity and cost. Not true. Or better to say, not necessarily. I noticed that there were always devices inside the synthesizer that enable these functions. They could be reused to increase functionality without a significant cost penalty. This approach resulted in what I call design density, which included consideration of both component count and functionality per square inch. So eventually this was a big success story, right? Absolutely, yes. This was a success story. Our efforts um, contributed to the success of phase matrix, which helped to make it exceptionally attractive to national instruments. And in, if I remember correctly, in May 2011, NI acquired phase matrix. And in their official press release, NI stated that this acquisition brings key RF talent, technology, and manufacturing capabilities to NI and will significantly increase the capability of NI products in high frequency RF and microwave applications. So now you're with Anritsu Company in Morgan Hill, California. What is your role there? Well, I am the senior director of research and development where I oversee the development of various test and measurement instruments such as signal generators, vector network analyzers, handheld spectrum analyzers, power meters, and various components. I lead a team of extremely talented engineers working on the most sophisticated and challenging designs inherent in test and measurement applications. And your most recent big development was done at Anritsu Company, and that resulted in the rubidium signal generator. What led you to use rubidium timing? A signal generator is a quite sophisticated instrument that is supposed, obviously, to deliver a precise and stable frequency. In other words, if we dial 10 gigahertz, we should expect a signal exactly 10 gigahertz, not 10.01235, etc. And we also expect that this frequency will not change in time or with the temperature change. A pretty normal expect expectation, right? But what is the reality? Signal generators' accuracy and stability depends on an available reference. And 
Ovenized crystal oscillator is today's golden standard for the industry. It's a good device, but is it, is it really stable if we dive deeper into details? Uh, not quite. Any OCXO frequency depends on its crystal resonator mechanical dimensions, which change with temperature and time. Well, simply because crystal material evaporates little by little. The resonator size becomes smaller and frequency changes. Long story short, in our rubidium signal generators, the reference is disciplined by a rubidium atomic clock that introduces a much higher degree of accuracy and stability compared to conventional OCXO-based reference. This simply because the atomic clock operation is based on fundamental constants of our mother nature rather than mechanical dimensions and hence is extremely stable. Well, that was an excellent idea to do it that way. Tell us about the performance specs, such as the phase noise and how that compares to other signal generators. And did you use any design tricks to be able to accomplish that? Yeah, the rubidium synthesizer core is based on a proprietary 2 to 20 gigahertz yeek oscillator built here in Morgan Hill that is locked to an internal reference extracted and distributed by direct analog means. In other words, the YIG output signal is down-converted by a direct analog converter that eliminates any frequency divider and therefore associated phase noise degradation within the phase lock loop. Furthermore, instead of putting a frequency divider, a frequency multiplier inserted into the loop. And interestingly, it works exactly opposite to a frequency divider, meaning that instead of noise degradation, it provides noise improvement, or in other words, additional residual PLL noise suppression. Again, long, the architecture provides essentially a noiseless PLL mechanism, translating this is synthesizer's reference with no edit or minimal added phase noise degradation, our 20 log and fundamentals, of course. In addition to this, a three-source combined reference is utilized to squeeze every drop of phase noise, providing the lowest possible phase noise at any given frequency offset. So what is the result? As a result, this unique architecture delivers just and parallel performance in respect to spectral purity such as phase noise. Note, uh, phase noise is always, always a key specification for signal generators. And the rubidium signal generator exhibits minus 140, 140 dBc per hertz at 10 gigahertz output and 10 kilohertz of offset, which is better, well, actually, way better compared to traditional designs currently available on the market. Essentially, the rubidium signal generators redefine industry standards for both spectral purity and stability. Yeah, that was an excellent result to get that low phase noise close to the carrier. Very good. 
So let's switch gears. How about the IEEE? You're the chair of the TC10 Signal Generation and Frequency Conversion Technical Committee. What activities are you involved in there? The main mission of the IEEE TC10 Technical Committee is to promote the development of signal generation and frequency conversion techniques applied for various circuits and systems. This committee includes, by the way, widely recognized world-level experts uh, to evaluate new developments in the field of RF and microwave oscillators, frequency multipliers, mixers, and frequency synthesizers. We also promote and support various events such as workshops, student design competitions, and many others at large industry conferences and shows such as the IMS, International Microwave Symposium. So you wrote the Artec House book, Frequency Synthesizers, Concept to Product. Tell us how you developed that title and any challenges there were in writing the book. Well, uh... Frequency synthesizers evolved over time, and uh, this book offered an overview of uh, both well-established and recently developed techniques. It's primarily intended for engineers in their first years of practice and serves as a quick guide to mastering their professional skills. I would say it aims to bridge the gap between a basic theoretical knowledge and the years of work related to build practical experience in this field. The book uh, gathers, uh, let me say this, a collection of block diagrams, uh, some clever circuits, uh, design recipes, and other hard-to-find information usually treated as design secrets. All the techniques are illustrated with uh, practical examples uh, used in uh, real industrial products. And I tried to write it in a very simple, while well, yet rigorous style, to provide an all-in-one source for both the beginner as well as uh, the experienced designer. Overall, this was a big project by itself, but it also helped me to summarize my knowledge in this field. Although this uh, quite an effort, uh, frankly, but I really enjoy working on this book. Yeah, that's certainly a, a huge undertaking, writing any kind of technical book like that. So what are some of the current trends in frequency synthesis? Um, as of today, the indirect or PLL architectures remain the most popular approach. However, the most exciting future developments are likely to be associated with the DDS technology that has a tremendous potential for growth. Much of the progress will be brought by extension of DDS usable bandwidth and reduction of its spurious content. And at some point, the DDX synthesis is expected to compete and eventually substitute in DDX designs offering uh, amazingly fast and nanoseconds range tuning speed, as well as complex output waveforms. Uh, longer term, 
major breakthroughs are expected in operating the reference with other physical principles or materials, such as uh, sapphire oscillators or optoelectronic methods. Uh, what performance can be achieved? Well, only the future will tell. So then in a more general sense, what are new developments that you're most excited about in the industry and why? Uh, we clearly observe the increasing need for more capacity and higher data rates in wireless networks. Discussions uh, and even practical research, research work of uh, beyond 5G and 6G topics has already started in the academic and research communities. Much higher modulation bandwidths, and we're talking about tens of gigahertz, I expected. Obviously, this pushes our industry to much higher frequencies towards submillimeter waves and terahertz technologies. So these expectations will dramatically change conceptual approaches of building new devices and subsystems. Not just that, or even the whole way of thinking about it. And I'm sure a lot of amazing developments I expected next decades. Well, thank you very much, Alexander, for talking with me today about your career and experiences in the industries. You're truly an RF industry icon with your work in signal generation. To our audience, you can find more podcasts at podcast.microwavejournal.com. Thank you so much for listening today.